Hey everyone, just a reminder that we are recording remotely while we're quarantined, uh, so the sound might be slightly compromised, but hopefully not too bad. Enjoy! Welcome to Feminists Without Mystique, a podcast where we process politics, sex, and the unrelenting firehose of bullshit in the news through an unapologetically feminist lens. Normally, we start each week by venting about the news, going deep on one important issue, calling out terrible things happening below the top headlines in a segment called We See You, and then we end with something hopeful. This week, in part two of our three-part Case for Biden-Harris series, we will not be doing We See You's to allow adequate time because there's a lot to cover. Um, And this week we're going to be talking about uh, civil rights, social justice. Um, But first, we're going to do a little chitty chat. Well, well, uh, how how was your, did you vote, Maria? And if you did, what was your voting plan? Yes, I did vote. Um, Although I should say I have the, the ballot fully finished and sealed and I'm going to drop it in the box tomorrow. So you haven't voted. (laughs) I guess I technically have not cast the ballot, but uh, yeah, I I wanted to wait because my mom got me this um, necklace that Michelle Obama was wearing. The vote necklace? Yeah. I have to get one. (laughs) Yeah, you do, you do. And it just arrived and I really want to like have it on. (laughs) Yeah. When I cast. Like a moment. Yeah. Just a real like... Yeah, a real moment. Um, But yeah, so my, you know, since we're both in Washington State, it's a fully mail-in state. But yeah, I'm excited to wear the necklace and cast that ballot tomorrow. What about you? Oh, great. Well, I I filled out my ballot and then went ahead and dropped it in a uh, ballot box, um, which is all, yeah, we have the option of sending it in the mail for free or doing a box and it just felt more... I don't know, for some reason, I'm just like, I'm going to do the box this time. <laughs> yes, and um, made sure my household voted, um, helped my partner understand some of the issues per his request, because <laughs> <laughs> it's very important. I mean, the presidential election is, everyone says it, but yeah, the most important of our lives, I'd say, but there are also local things and referendums and whatnot to pay attention to. Um, so make sure you do the research on those other measures. But um, yeah, I put it in the little Dropbox and then um, I helped my dad with his this morning and then dropped that one in the mail. So I didn't fill it out for him. <laughs> no voter fraud. Um, but yeah, it felt uh, it felt good to, to do it. And then I'm going to track my, um, we get a little a way to track our ballots to make sure they're counted. So I'll be mm-hmm. tracking to make sure they receive it. <laughs> yes. And that's something that I think if you do have a vote by mail to pay attention to that tracking portion, because that's a nice way to really feel like you can know for sure that you're, what you've mailed in or stuck in a ballot is actually has been validated. So yeah, because there are all kinds of things that can go awry. So just look into your, your state and your rules and, Votey vote, vote, vote. Talk to your household about voting, your friends, your family, mm-hmm. awkward Facebook acquaintances. <laughs> oh, yeah. Get everyone in on it. And what did you do to uh, further the Biden-Harris democracy cause, uh, aside from voting? Oh, aside from voting, well, I um, 
I filled out some postcards to uh, targeted voters. Uh, Those those along. Um, And I'm going to be doing, I signed up to do some texting for Pennsylvania. Um, I may or may not do phone banking. We'll see. Uh, We'll see what happens there. But I'm at least going to be doing the texting. Maybe I'll order some pizza the poll as per your suggestion. Um, but yeah, basically we're moving, uh, moving into a house finally this, uh, this Friday, Saturday. So I'm going to plan on doing a lot of, um, texting or calling for, for Biden kind of after that. Mm-hmm. Once so, you're settled. Yeah. Once I can kind of, cause the postcards were easy to do, like, as I had a few minutes. So this, I feel like a solid chunk of time. So gets to plan um, and you know talking to people on the internet about voting which i'm sure <laughs> sure changed a lot of hearts and minds out there oh my god what yeah. about you babe you've been calling people haven't you i've been calling people i think it's my least favorite form of democracy <laughs> um yeah. I think that it's it's certainly awkward to knock on doors but at least uh like last year Mm-hmm. Last time I was knocking on doors for Kim Schreier in this. Are you in Kim Schreier's district now? Um, I don't think so. Okay, yeah, because she's our sort of she's like the swing district, like near next to Seattle for people that are yeah. you know, um, and it's kind of frustrating. And I, I remember in 2018 I was thinking like it would be utterly shameful if I would just never forgive myself uh, if we like next to Seattle, that fucking district with this like wealthier people generally um, elected a Republican. So we've, it was exciting to flip that district in 2018. Hopefully she holds it. Um, But yeah, I've been doing calling and it's awkward. I did some calling for Pennsylvania a couple weeks ago and then I did some calling for Florida um, but I did really love, I did it with, um, a friend's like kind of family mm-hmm. set up like, uh, she had a family member who works for Biden Harris and had like one of those sort of mini, um, events via zoom. And then like a bunch of people were in the zoom while you're calling people. So there, it feels cool. like it's like a little bit more of a team effort where you can actually just like, I mean, after a couple of awkward calls I would just like look at other people on zoom who were having calls and felt like okay we're all doing this this even though it sucks it's you know good for you for doing the thing you like the least I don't (laughs) like calls yeah yeah that stuff does make it I personally hate doorbelling the most um (laughs) I mean I had to when I worked for the democratic party I had to do so much doorbelling some of it by myself which is like not is that even a lot? Like, I don't, I didn't think that was really safe. They didn't tell volunteers to do that. Um, <laughs> cool. Yeah. But um, I do hate calling people on the phone too. I enjoyed it more when I was working there because it was like a room of coworkers who were there all night eating pizza, just kind of doing the thing, you know, yeah. but it's harder. I think when you're by yourself, so maybe I'll get a little Zoom stash going and do something yeah. else, you know? That would be fun. I know. I yeah. That would be fun. Maybe we should do Yeah. Figure that out. That'd be cute. Uh, <laughs> um and also for people we've said this before, but like if you are able to um 
volunteer on at your polling place, that's going to be really valuable, especially because it's normally staffed by older people. And this year that's really feasible. You can be a poll watcher, especially if you're someone who's like a law student or has legal expertise. That's your an extra, super extra valuable in those settings. And then I have to look into this more, but apparently anyone, not like any random person, but if you go through a training, you can be sort of available via the phone on election day so that people in certain, you're trained for a certain state so that if voters are having problems in Florida, they can call and you'll be someone who helps them through the process of either reporting it or trying to figure out what the problem is. Um, So that, um, I feel like I, I signed up for that and I just have gotten so many emails recently that I don't, I haven't seen one come through that's like, walk me through the process of that, but I'm reminding myself now through, through the podcast to look back into that. I should sign up for that because I had, I had to do that when I, back when Washington state was caucusing, I was the person in the office like talking to those people. So that mm-hmm. it was stressful, but it's, I think the, that doing that is incredibly helpful, you know, like that troubleshooting stuff, like that can make the difference between someone voting or not voting. Yeah. Um, and this shit is really close. So uh, do it again. And like, there's some, you know, there are some counties and some areas where they do have enough poll workers and poll watchers, but there are a lot that don't. So, like, don't just see the news that, oh, wow, so many new people are volunteering because you don't know if that's the case where you are. So just look it up, see what's needed. Mm-hmm. Let's save democracy. <laughs> please. Oh, please. <laughs> please. <laughs> uh. How have you been uh, feeling with this uh, election <laughs> right around the river bend? Oh, um, I've been snapping at everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just really dark. Um, I don't know. I, I think I'm just so... There's the cumulative effect of the pandemic and then mm. of three and a half years of the Trump administration. And, yeah. like we're getting so close and it's just so up in the air. And I think I'm, I'm confused by, by people who are like very excited by the polls. Cause it's like, first of all, there's like Russian meddling, there's Trump cheating, there's gerrymandering, there's like the fuckery of our system itself. And then there's the historic fact that the polls have been wrong. Like the polls were wrong in 2016. Why are we doing this? We can't, we cannot trust the polls. Act like he's polling 10 points, Biden's polling 10 points behind. Like it's, Mm -hmm. we can't, we can't trust it. It's like the the pollsters say they've learned and you can even (laughs) figure out which which place it is, but you can view the current polling results and then the adjusted polling results for if they're as wrong as they were in 2016. <laughs> so it's like, I think it was Florida where this was yes, either yesterday or the day before where Biden um, was four points ahead. But then if you adjust for how wrong it was, he's one point ahead. So it's like, okay. you know, <laughs> and as we know, it just because of how fucked up the system is and the electoral college, like, we need specific states to work out. Yeah. Um, so, for the love of God, <laughs> oh God, everyone's got to do what they can. It's um, yeah, I've definitely been feeling a certain kind of way this past week. I, as I told you before, we started recording, and I was like, "Why am I? Oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> why I'm on edge? Uh, it's just because it's. I remember in 2016 just being like, oh, we've got this.' First oh, of all, yeah, so sure." 
foolish, foolish girl. <laughs> oh my God. I was temping because I had that, like, remember that, like, super temporary gig that I had at that PR agency right when I moved? Yeah. I was there and I had, like, this. I just remember the small talk of that morning where I was like so chipper. I was just like, oh, cautiously optimistic. And then I remember being like, why did I even say cautiously? Like, it's obvious, you know, like she's going to win tonight. It's like, okay. But one thing that's very heartening and disheartening, uh, mostly disheartening, but in the specific context heartening (laughs) is um, I've just seen so many, of course it's anecdotal, but so many interviews where, people who voted Trump in 2016 and are now voting Biden are like, I just, I like, he just seems like a good guy. You know, like there was one quote where someone was like, the girl just wanted the job referring to Hillary Clinton. Oh, great. Um, Also, I think not having to deal with misogyny outside of Paris, of course, which Mm -hmm. she's getting plenty. um, People are pretty comfortable with an old white man. So, which is awful, but in this context, it's like, okay, well, that's one more thing we don't have to uh, worry about in this, which again is awful and makes me feel very many ways as a, as a human woman, but. Uh, Sad and angry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Happy birthday, Kamala Harris. <laughs> hey, happy birthday. Oh, yeah. It's um, like, I understand. Oh yeah. That leads me to another thing that was, rage inducing this morning, but it does like, I, I understand why this election cycle, like why we ended up with Biden and why he's like probably our best chance to win. Mm-hmm. But that makes me feel very sad about like where we're at as a country that this is like not even a sure thing. Like we picked the most like white bread, mm-hmm. mediocre person and, or like mediocre candidate as far as what was offered up. Um, and then as if to like bring that point fully home, um, Politico had news today about how Biden is vetting, the Biden campaign is vetting John Kasich for like a major uh, role in the administration. And I, that's not okay. That is not okay. It's unacceptable. And like, I will reserve my like full, the full wrath for after Biden is elected. Yeah. But that just, are you fucking kidding me? It's yeah, it's depressing. Um, Obviously we should all still vote for him, but it's like, when people have these views about like reproductive justice and things and you're going to like, I understand his whole thing is like uniting and that he has to put, or he doesn't have to, but that he feels he needs to put more, some, some Republican people in the cabinet, but it's, I mean, he doesn't, doesn't. first of all, he doesn't. First of all, he doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Second of all, it's like the, the democratic party in this country is like, (laughs) Like the, the, the quote unquote moderate Democrats are like the conservatives in a lot of other countries, you know, it's like, yeah, even, yeah, it's, it's, I'll be hard pressed to see a Republican he picks that I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. Or maybe he's just like, let's say that I'm going to do it and then not, <laughs> but I doubt that. Um, I just think that if he like 
Mm-hmm. If we could just give liberals like the chance to actually like run the country for like four actual years without any fucking interference from fucking moderates and pro-life. Really? Great. Yeah. And it's like, he also said like ACB seems like a very nice person. Like, it's just like, okay. Like, yeah. I see your Mr. Unity, but it's just a reminder of how, you know, far from, and it's how far from the left you are but you're you know he's still the best person for the job out of those two and will move this country forward progressively it's um there's no question of that it's just yeah it's frustrating when it's like can we just get like a real progressive in there at some point but hopefully he will build back better and then uh build a better bridge back to the progressive <laughs> values back better <laughs> You know, maybe he's the bridge. Yeah. And we'll say that. Uh-huh. <laughs> he's the bridge. That's it. You know, I can't wait till AOC is president. I can't wait. She's out. She's on. Okay. She's on Twitch right now. And I know that that's a thing mm-hmm. that people do. Yeah. And that it's probably super in touch with, like, people. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't know what it means but good for her <laughs> yeah it's, I only learned of it from my husband who went through a little uh he had a, a gaming phase of the pandemic um, <laughs> and so I learned about that and I was like oh maybe Maria and I should do some twitch stuff sometime yeah you see is doing it you know it's yeah. not just for gamers <laughs> 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 right should we dive into the thick <laughs> content many things um mm-hmm. i just kind of want to preface this because we have a large large topic um with civil rights and social justice there are i mean on biden harris's website alone with their platforms they have distinct platforms addressing api which of course is asian american pacific islanders black americans muslim americans indian americans jewish americans latinx americans tribal nations women lgbtqia um and so there are all of these specific breakouts that you can look into um for the in, in the interest of being able to actually discuss things and not just hit a million bullet points where going to be um because some things kind of intersect so we won't touch on all of the specific plans with all of these things but we will give um important important overviews and and touch on on the big subjects here yeah um and i think it's worth kind of just starting with the statement that like hate crimes have gone up so much under trump which i mean because of his words and actions Mm -hmm. uh, the Biden Justice Department will prioritize prosecuting hate crimes, um, which is uh, which is great, great, great. Um, and so I guess we'll maybe start with um, there are some some plans that the uh, good old Biden Harris platform has for housing um, and housing equality. So the um, when you have communities that are primarily people of color, the housing in those communities are valued tens of thousands of dollars below majority white communities, even when all the other factors are the same. And of course, this contributes to that racial wealth gap. Um, and there are several, there, there are more things planned than we'll get into around this as with all of these topics. So I really encourage everyone to kind of do their digging and 
um, and really get into the things that you care about. Um, but there's so there's a rule that the Trump administration suspended in 2018 um, that would that required communities receiving certain federal funding to proactively examine housing patterns and identify and address policies that have discriminatory effects. So again, Trump administration did away with this. Um, Biden administration wants to bring it back. Um, and as well as holding financial institutions accountable for discriminatory practices in the housing market. Um, and of course, the Trump administration is trying to uh, gut the standard of, um, of the view that the lending practices that have a discriminatory effect can be challenged even if discrimination was not explicit. Um, so basically Trump's trying to make that harder to do. Um, wants to establish $100 billion affordable housing fund to construct and upgrade affordable housing, provide tax incentives to, again, construct more affordable housing in communities that need it. Um, targeting funds to census tracts that have persistent poverty, basically just kind of investing in um, in ensuring that we can have more equity in our communities and paying attention to these communities that we have largely neglected and ignored, these communities that are not majority white. Um, and yes, those are some of the, the housing plans. Um, is there anything on the housing you wanted to touch on or you want to shimmy shake to hiring or business? Just that the Trump administration has continued to, I mean, the, the list of rollbacks of um, uh, nation, like different um, housing laws are, it's been ongoing like throughout the three and a half years and but before Trump has had to uh, answer for or at least he's been accused of racism and housing and um, in his like every decade of his adult life um, you know he had to settle a Justice Department lawsuit um, alleging discrimination against black apartment applicants in the 70s and he's was racist in the 80s, like taking out the full page ad for the Central Park, um, the Central Park Five. Um, and and then, of course, in, in the 2000s with the birther claims where that seemed to really calcify his, but he's just like his like decades long dance with racism and specifically racism and housing. Um, yeah, has come up in his effort to just roll back um, rules that were supposed to be put in place to help prevent housing discrimination. Um, and I think the National Housing Law Project, yeah, they issued a statement in like about a month ago, you know, again, talking about how they, the Trump administration weakening civil rights laws is like, you know, against everything that they stand for and making the world um, a worse place. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's probably for housing. That's what I got. And then we're going to speak just a bit about kind of business and um, hiring and 
Um, so in this country, um, white people and people of color do not have equal access to credit and capital. They're not approved for things at the same rates, even with other things being equal. Um, people of color are approved less often and for lower rates. Um, so there are some plans to ensure equal access to credit and capital, um, as well as investing in African-American businesses and entrepreneurs. Um, and uh, produce, there's going to be this like weekly dashboard to show which small businesses are accessing loans. Um, and you can kind of, and this will be kind of holding accountable in terms of like diversity and if people are actually doing what they're supposed to be doing with the various things that are supposed to be implemented. Um, and also helping families buy their first homes and build wealth by creating a new refundable advanced advanceable tax credit of up to 15 grand, which is incredibly helpful because I mean, the barrier for so, so, so many people into home ownership is the down payment. So you can make the mortgage payments, maybe they'd even be cheaper than your apartment, but that down payment is just, you know, keeps people out of, out of that. Um, and, uh, in terms of the hiring front, um, and, uh, so encouraging diverse hiring and promotion practices. And again, there are various mechanisms by which um, he plans to make this so, um, including making sure that companies make public their overall workforce diversity, including senior level diversity, which I think is important. Um, providing federal grants to state cities and organizations to develop and implement evidence-based practices and solutions to push employers to hire and retain diverse employees and end discriminatory, discriminatory hiring practices. Um, you know, increasing funding for the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission um, and uh, the U.S. Justice Department Civil Rights Division as well, um, increasing the number of investigators there. So these are a few of the kind of um, hiring and promotion practices that they that they're looking to help with, um, as well as fighting for equal pay, of course. Uh, African American, sixty-one cents for every dollar earned by white men in twenty seventeen, which is about a million less in a lifetime, million dollars. Um, so, <laughs> kind of a big thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Of course, that extends to all groups that are not, because um, of course, Latinx, uh, Latinx women um, make less than than men, white men, Latinx people in general. Uh, black people in general, women in, you know, so just sort of addressing that, um, that pay inequity. Yeah. Um, and because Trump is who he is, um, he has had, uh, one of the least diverse cabinets in recent U S history. Um, and, um, his policies, uh, he has like over, over his entire time in office, he has basically presided over, um, what the Washington Post called a sweeping, um, U S government retreat from the front lines of civil rights, endangering decades of progress against voter suppression, housing discrimination, and police misconduct, which I thought was like a really succinct, um, way to, put into words something that I think I was struggling just to say like it he has presided over a sweeping government retreat from from fighting for these things that um past even past Republican administrations were 
generally, if they weren't being super active, it's not that they were rolling back protections. Um, but yeah, I think that um, the way that Trump's cabinet has been comprised of mostly, you know, white, very white people, mostly white men, um, and the way that he has let Stephen Miller kind of dictate a lot of a lot of the policy. I mean, uh, especially in regards to immigration, which we'll get to, but yeah. Um, and just rolling back different, um, different mechanisms for reporting. Like, I think it's just, it's insidious that a lot of what helps push things forward, push society forward is when we are able to kind of like look at what the facts are in front of us, look at the data and the reporting from um, like, for instance, the equal, equal pay and, and there was the Obama administration passed a law where it was like any, any company with over a hundred people had to report like what their, what the pay was. And, um, and then um, a government agency would kind of come back to everyone and say like, here's where the pay discrepancies are and here's how we might be able to fix that. And one thing that the Trump administration kind of has across the board done, whether it's been in, um, you know, just like across the board in all different areas is get rid of um, these requirements for reporting. So we will not have data for like these next four years. And, and in fact, it will take a lot of affirmative legislation and like, again, like build, like build back better. It'll take like a lot of active executive orders and hopefully mandates through legislation to, uh, get this like data and this reporting back on the books. And so it's, you know, it's, it's insidious because it doesn't, it's never going to gain that much attention. It's just when you read into it and you say like, what could the purpose possibly be of saying, we don't need to, don't report your employee, like the, um, your company's pay structure. Don't report how many like people of color you have here. Don't report your policies. It's like, don't ask, don't tell, but on this like broad scale of just like, let's all be ignorant. How could we possibly know? It's too unwieldy. It's it's him classic. It's just like with COVID. It's like, if you don't test, there's less cases. It's like, no, the cases are still happening. You just don't have the data. So you can't fight it well. It's like, just, he's just applying that logic to everything. Like, oh, I, la, 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 I don't see it. I don't hear it. It's not happening. It's like, honey, it is. Um. Yeah. And like, we can have conversations about, you know, I think generally if you, I mean, it's really hard to think about any conservatives that are actually ethical in this moment, because if you're an ethical conservative, like, I mean, you've, you've certainly always distanced yourself from Trump. I don't know. But like, if you're someone who's sort of ethically, um, opposed to Trump, but what you want to do is like have less regulations and, and you think that these types of things are a burden on bureaucracy and a burden on, you know, government agencies to impede them from what they're doing that's a that's like a conversation that can be had where you can make systems more efficient but rolling them back and and plunging you know plunging us into an ignorant space uh is really only it only serves one purpose which is just to like cut the legs out from under 
people who are trying to make the world a better, more equitable place. Yeah. Who wants to not do that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> One more kind of thing I want to speak on before we get to criminal justice reform or uh, whatever is, uh, whatever, <laughs> is um, education um, and the plan to kind of eliminate the gap, the funding gap between white and non-white districts, which in four districts, um, and some of the things that Biden-Harris are planning to do, um, nearly triple Title I funding, which funds schools federally that have a high percentage of students from low-income families. Um, and it will ensure that teachers at those schools are paid competitively, um, which is important. Um, ensuring that districts provide access to coursework, including computer science and STEM across all their schools. Um, and uh, improving teacher diversity. Um, something I didn't realize but totally makes sense is that for uh, black students, having just one black teacher in elementary school reduces the probability of dropping out. Wow. Um, yeah, so there, again, I won't get into all of the plans to make that the teacher diversity happen, but there are many <laughs> that you can like, look at, into. I just wanted to make sure to mention it because I think um, until there's equal access to education in this country. I mean, there's obviously systemic racism. The whole thing is that all of these aspects of society are inherently, you know, racist, are inherently benefiting, bless you, inherently benefiting white people, white children over those who are not. So um, I'm glad to see that he's got a plan with teeth there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Shall we go on to criminal justice reform of the biggie? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just to preface with the fact that Black Americans are more likely than white Americans to be arrested. Once arrested, more likely to be convicted. Once convicted, more likely to face stiff sentences. And again, this is taking into account all of the factors. So it's like people, you know, black Americans, white Americans using drugs at the same rate, however, committing crimes at the same rate, however. Um, and so this all results in black men being six times as likely to be incarcerated as white men. And I think worth noting that Latinx men are more than twice as likely to be incarcerated as white men. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a doozy. And we of course have this for-profit prison system, which you know, has been referred to some as modern day slavery, which, you know, is, it seems quite accurate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Jails is like modern, modern day poorhouses, like Dickensian mm. systems in which you're never going to be able to get. And John Oliver's done some great segments on this, but just um, once you have found yourself on the other side of the law in any way, um, like it's really hard to, if you're someone who lives at the poverty line or, you know, hovering there, um, it's going to be really hard for you to um, kind of restore yourself and be financially okay just by having to report your crimes and um, different fees and bail bonds. And um, it's, uh, yeah, so it's, it's kind of like poor houses <laughs> of the 19th century. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and he, the one, one thing I don't love about uh, Biden's approach is he doesn't, I understand why, because he's trying to win over and keep uh, moderates and moderate Republicans and whatnot, but he doesn't use the term defund the police um, 
that's a, that's a, that's a no, no, that's not coming out of his mouth, but, um, there, he does have, uh, ample kind of criminal justice reform plans. Um, but he's not putting that label on it. Um, I think for political, uh, reasons, um, <laughs> but a couple of the, the plots, um, the plans are, to um, create a $20 billion grant program to support criminal justice reform at the state and local level. And those funds would be allowed to be used by cities and states on measures that are proven to reduce crime and incarceration um, and would require states to eliminate mandatory minimums for nonviolent crimes in order to receive funding, um, as well as investing in public defender's offices to ensure defendants access to quality counsel, because obviously public defenders are have so many, so many, so many more cases than is real reasonable to be able to provide adequate defense for everyone. So they can, it's, they're not the problem. They're just, they're stretched too thin. And because of that, it's just kind of everyone gets fucked over. Um, and of course, if you have a public defender, that means you can't afford, um, can't afford your own counsel. So it's important that you shouldn't only get a fair trial if you can afford it. Um, so that's incredibly important. Um, expanding um, and using the power of the Justice Department to address systemic misconduct in police departments and prosecutors' offices. Because um, obviously, this Department of Justice has just been kind of Trump's <laughs> Trump's kind of little uh, little hype team, um, yeah. doing what they want to do. Uh, and a big, big, big one is stopping corporations from profiteering off of incarceration, um, which Biden wants to end private prisons like altogether, building off of an, a policy that was started under the Obama administration that the Trump administration rescinded. Um, and of course, making it clear that federal government should not use private facilities for any detention, including of undocumented immigrants, kind of a big one. Mm-hmm. And I've got a couple more, but if you want to, you have anything you want to throw in there? <laughs> like I'm just... um, I mean, yeah, I think that. Um the comprehensive nature again of like Biden's plans um, and trying to also like incentivize um, the reduction of incarceration, whether it's a private um, private prison, prison system or if it's like a state on the state or federal level. Um, I saw this uh, thing on, I forget where, but it was like an artistic thing where someone's like, when I hear, you know, police or when I think about defund the police, I think about all of the 100 other jobs that we're cramming into one person's job with a gun. And I think that Biden in his plan on criminal justice reform feels like he uh, is taking to heart the, the concept of really trying to fund out, build out um, a complex system that is going to absorb a lot of these criminal justice complaints and a lot of these people who get like just eaten up in the system. And instead of feeding them all into the same place, I feel like at least, you know, we have Kamala Harris who with her prosecutorial record, like, you know, that's definitely a double-edged sword. Um, But she has a very uh, nuanced, I think, understanding of of Mm -hmm. how, how to make, how the system, 
can be made better from like the macro level that she is at, but with like a very micro micro understanding of the, you know, yeah, the wheels. So, yeah. Have a for-profit prison system. It's like you're incentivizing um, people being arrested and you're incentivizing having people, you know, recidivism, having people return to jail. And um, so another thing that they're planning to do is eliminating some of those barriers that formerly incarcerated people have, um, like restoring voting rights for people who are convicted of felonies once they've served their sentences, expanding mental health substance use disorder treatment, educational opportunities, job training for people during and after incarceration, um, try to do with barriers that are keeping formerly incarcerated people from getting certain public assistance like SNAP and housing support. Um, So not only trying to prevent people going to jail that don't need to be there, that shouldn't be there, but then also once they're there and once they're out, setting them up for success in their future Mm -hmm. rather than just, you know, kind of hoping they'll be back and pockets will be padded. Um, So I think that's incredibly important and kind of to what you're speaking to earlier on studies um is he wants to support a study of the continuing impacts of slavery is open to um reparations wants a study basically um and it just it seems that he's by this platform it seems like the 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 call to action is heard in terms of you know the fact that we need to overhaul this system um altogether because it's a fucking shit show and uh i feel like i have to mention the like one decent thing trump did with the first step act <laughs> oh yeah yeah Just fair and balanced you know um pretty like the only the only thing i can think of that was like a good move that had bipartisan support was trump signing um the executive order on police reform, the First Step Act, which did do some good things. It banned chokeholds unless an officer's life was in danger, which also I'm like, mm, you should just ban them all together. Cause, uh, and um, into which not in placing, uh, I just, sorry, missed my little, missed my, uh, where I was in my notes. But um, the fact that this act was passed does not mean that Trump's been good on this. I mean, you spoke to a lot of the things he did. There's, I mean, the rhetoric alone, retweeting the the video with this, someone shouting white power. Mm-hmm. Uh, he... <laughs> Sorry, I missed. I lost my spot again. Oh, no worries. But it's like, that was kind of the one, the one good thing he did, but it's... And now he's got the uh, the platinum plan, which I was like, okay, I'm, I'll look into it. Um, which is this? Of course, he went a few what was it, a few weeks ago at this point, spoke out against diversity training and like banned it in certain like anti racism training in certain places. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, let me pander platinum plan, um, which you know is five hundred billion dollars. It's supposed to um, go towards supporting black Americans in, in various ways, but um, according to some analysis, it seems that from what we know of this plan, corporations who receive tax, lucrative tax breaks are kind of the main, will be the main beneficiaries of these policies. It's, it's kind of almost like a trickle down. Um, there's nothing regarding 
housing segregation in this plan. There's nothing regarding gerrymandering, history of redlining. There's nothing addressing systemic racism or um, healthcare um, discrimination and disparities. Like it's just sort of this, like, look, I have this plan. It's got a lot of money behind it. And I say, it's going to help you. Um, it just seems like he's like a businessman slapping the word platinum on something and like wanting it to be like sound more impressive. Like, yeah, he's refused to acknowledge that systemic racism is a problem in the United States. So it's like you can't (laughs) can't make any change from starting from there, you know. Uh, And he also loves to claim that he's been great for um, for black Americans and their their employment levels basically but even though they reached a low a record low during trump's administration at five points yeah 5.4 percent in august 2019 which was of course before the pandemic mm-hmm. again that was like many of these things was progress that stemmed from the obama administration what they were putting in you know so it's another another thing he likes to claim credit for but there's not really anything to back it up um yeah, I mean, he like he also, of course, refuses to understand that unemployment statistics are, you know, a product of broader economic trends that he is only a small part of, um, and that yeah, like black people have lost jobs at a higher rate than other groups since the pandemic and the shutdowns, and yeah, um, jobless rates for African Americans went thirteen percent compared to seven point three for white. Mm-hmm. Um, highest disparity in nearly six years. Um, and there's also talk of how his, um, you know, it's not that he, 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 of course, never did prioritize prison reform or m- minority jobs programs. Um, but during his first term, at least. Oh, um, but he, and apparently like with the one, with the first step program, um, like, wanted it to work for him. He wanted it to be something where he was going to enjoy broader support um, Mm -hmm. black people. And when that wasn't working, wasn't, you know, he was upset about it and he was wondering like why he even went forward with that um, sort of meager proposal. Um, But he also like, I mean, he took white supremacy or, um, white privilege, like those, that phrase out of, um, training programs, like racial diversity, um, programs, uh, he has decided to go after the 1619 project, um, which was a big, a big project that the New York times did, um, to try to get people to rethink the founding of America through the lens of slavery and through the lens of slave labor. Um, and, it's just come under a lot of extra heat because Trump, um, it it was already the subject of kind of like a culture war because a lot of historians have quibbles about different, the wording of different things and like me, me, me. Um, and some of them are like completely valid criticisms, but it's, it's more of a scholarly debate than like, um, you know, it doesn't need to be the thing that Trump has, Trump has seized on as he's, he's so good at like sensing a cultural um, friction point and then like just exploiting it until, you know, exploiting it to death. 
but so he convened like the White House Conference on American History to defend the quote magnificent truth about our country from the quote toxic propaganda of the 1619 project and um again like such a red meat for conservatives topic where he could essentially push for what feels like a like McCarthyist idea of like um American propaganda that we would teach nationalism and not try to fully understand the effect that slavery had on the founding of the country um I think the the founder, Nicole Hannah-Jones, had just like made a good point on Twitter about all of the people that are criticizing the project saying, you know what, if if like a broad swath of the country now knows the year 1619, it's she'll consider it a success because we'll be thinking of 1776, but we're going to have, she forced the conversation around six, around the year 1619, which is, you know, I can't imagine being her and having to deal with all this like bullshit from the administration. Um, it's one thing to have like scholarly questions about certain essays or certain assertions, but to deal with like Trump making it basically like one of his, you know, closing arguments of his fucking stupid campaign. He also just doesn't, he continues to like foment the whole like white supremacy thing um, and is completely silent. In fact, he encourages like the violence against Gretchen Whitmer when there was that, that kidnapping plot from this week. Was it this week? It feels like, and or last week. I don't know. It all. Northam, like just cause they're, de- I mean, they're democratic governors and he's encouraged now um even though they've both, they, the FBI has now foiled like kidnapping violent plots against both of these governors. Um, Trump has just encouraged chance of lock them up, which is so reckless. Um, like he also has like defended Kyle Rittenhouse, the white supremacist who shot two protesters. Um, he has said fine people on both sides, which is one of his more infamous comments, but he's just, he has found himself so unable. He calls, he calls Black Lives Matter, the Black Lives Matter protest, the symbol of hate. He manages to call them a symbol of hate and then just like is absolutely unable to condemn white militants. Um, There were the people who entered the Michigan Capitol who were just like a bunch of like right-wing nuts with like full guns in the Michigan Capitol and then the people in Portland. It's just really, it is really shocking the degree to which he does not condemn white supremacy. And then he, he also loves bringing up like Confederate statues and monuments. And he, he just, he loves fomenting that type of, that type of, um, he's like that race baiting and, and he knows it works to his advantage and it just, ah, it's, it's, um, it's something that has to come, it has to be brought up, right? Like it has to be brought up that he not only not from a policy standpoint is so, um, hasn't made civil rights a priority and continues to just like chip away at different rules and and regulations that have helped build a more progressive society, but that he, he himself, um, 
just continues to not speak out against the rising tide of violent white supremacy in this country. And he just emboldens them. Yeah. It's like the FBI says number one threat is the, the white national nationalist terrorists in this country. Um, and then there are just a couple of the Trump justice department fuckery things I wanted to mention, um, kind of go with what we were talking about earlier. Um, which are that they they um, sort of gutted a research program that worked to eliminate the over-incarceration of Black and Latinx youths compared with their white counterparts, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, sharp redu- reduction of the Justice Department's um, investigations of certain police departments to determine how often they use force, what kind of force, and whether that force is used excessively against Black people. Don't need that, right? And of course, um, the slashing of the use of consent decrees, which are court-approved agreements between the Justice Department and local police agencies accused of excessive force, often against Black residents. And they were those agreements were designed to reform police practices, of course, and improve community relations. So those are just a few examples of how, like, like you were speaking to, they're just saying, no, we don't need that data. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need these all of these programs to determine where these um, discriminatory, this discriminatory violence and murders happening. No, we don't need that. Um, just. It's just it's, it, the, the, the lack of, I mean, the way that civil rights and, you know, community, it just the way that it's been so deprioritized, mm-hmm. uh, is so sad and it's with i mean with the other stuff that we'll talk about it's there's so much work to be done but this administration has created just um a like mind melting amount of work for the next administration to have to undo what he has done and the, the different damages that he's done. Um, and I was even, I was even listening to a podcast today that said that there's a new study from Reuters that like, what was it? Like maybe 7,000 ish people from 2008 to 2018 died in like while they were waiting for a trial, they just died before they were just because they were in the prison system because they couldn't make bail. Um, and that kind of was like a staggering thing to think about. It's like, I feel like there was something else that I, that was really, I mean, it, that was upsetting on its own, but man, yeah, it was just like, the, there's so many ways that are so common sense, like to keep people from, from dying and from, rotting in prison for no reason and without being properly charged and probably, you know, like we shouldn't just be holding people for days and days and in some cases years without giving them a trial because they can't make bail and then they die and they lose their job and then they can't, you know, and they have something on their record or everyone knows they were held in jail. It's just like a complete disaster. Um, It's no go. Anyway, bad, 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 bad. (laughs) All right. What do you want to shimmy shake to next? Um, well, let's see. Throughout all of this, there is a conversation like, well, um, if we want to go to um, the LGBTQ 
um, situation, uh, our notes on that after. Um, one thing that links all of these topics um, is the Supreme Court and is the um, appointment, the appointments that Trump has gotten and the appointment, the all but assured appointment of Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court. Um, there's, there are other things about her specifically that are cause grief and horror every day. Um, looking ahead at how the court will swing so far right for a generation. And even if we do make a lot of progress in the Senate, and even if we elect a Democrat, we are, the courts are going to yank us backwards in a huge way. Um, We've already talked about briefly that um, Alito and Thomas, two of the more conservative court members have already this on like day one of this, um, this year, this court session, they've already indicated their intent to roll back Obergefell, which is um, the landmark Supreme Court ruling on marriage equality. Um, and just a fun fact, yesterday, both sides of that case spoke out in opposition to Amy Coney Barrett's I uh, love that. appointment. Yeah. Um, but another thing just to bring up is that um, Amy Coney Barrett ruled last year in one of her cases that she was presiding over in the Seventh Circuit that using the N-word in an office space doesn't constitute a hostile workspace. Um, That case was Smith versus Illinois. Um, So (laughs) there's, and we've already gone through it, so I won't, but it's just something important to think about as we talk about women's reproductive health and um, the LGBTQIA community and when we talk about um, protect civil rights protections, voting rights, like criminal justice reform. Um, it's it, like, this is all, it's all a huge deal. And it's, it's going to probably require something that I don't know if we have the will to do, which is to add seats, but um, the court is such, such a crucial part of this. And we have like, we've lost that battle and it just bears like continuous repeating. <laughs> so, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very high um in terms of lgbtqia and the, the plans um biden harris have a, a plan to combat the epidemic of violence against transgender women of color um so they are going to make prosecute prosecuting those murders a uh, priority and during the first hundred days in office biden uh, plans to direct federal resources to help prevent violence against transgender women particularly of color um as well as banning oh, banning conversion therapy, which is big. Um, I mean, we won't get into everything about conversion therapy, but essentially it, it doesn't work. It's when they try to, quote unquote, fix, you know, gay, queer people to make them straight. Um, again, it doesn't work. It leads to trauma. There are really high suicide rates with it. Um, so it's only, and it's only currently fully banned for minors in 19 states, but Biden would work to enact the Therapeutic Fraud Prevention Act, which would make it illegal across the country for, you know, for everyone, um, as well as reversing the transgender military ban, which of course uh, the Trump administration uh, put out there. And um the Trump administration also in 2019 proposed a rule that would allow um, 
adoption agencies, foster care agencies to discriminate against LGBTQ families. And Biden will repeal that if implemented. It's still kind of in the process, um, as well as reinstating protections for LGBTQ people experiencing homelessness, which is huge. Um, really high rates of LGBTQ homelessness, especially um, when they're kicked out of the house. Um, and um, affirming gender markers, expanding access to accurate identification mark documents. So it's basically allowing people to identify the way that they identify on these documents, which is, I mean, huge logistically and emotionally, you know. Um, and then something I hadn't really heard any like political talk about, but it's always been one of those things that's just kind of fucked up is the restrictions around blood donation. Mm. Uh, and like not allowing gay men to donate blood pretty much. Um, and so he wants to make sure the blood donation procedures are based on science and rather than discriminate based on your sexual, you know, orientation, have a different kind of questionnaire that hits actual risk behaviors, not just your sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a lot of stuff, which is important, um, protecting LGBTQ students from sexual assault, harassment and bullying, including in schools, making sure that um, kids can use the bathroom that correlates with their gender identity without issue, um, as well as doing a lot of work with, as I mentioned, um, LGBTQ youth homelessness, um, which lots of, lots of big things. And one more thing I'll I'll mention is um, increasing safety for transgender people who are incarcerated um, right now. It's a shit show. Um, Trump administration rolled back a policy um, and now requires biological sex to be used in housing determinations, which is incredibly dangerous. Um, And the Biden administration also wants to ensure that transgender inmates have access to appropriate medical care, um, including their hormone therapy if they're on it, um, and as well as promoting research. As we've mentioned, it's very important to research groups that are marginalized to see where the discrepancies are, pinpoint them, and figure out how to create policy to um, to fix or at least help them, you know. Yeah. It's... <sighs> an ongoing frustration uh, that the Trump admi- Trump administration just has taken the broad position that discrimination on the, ba- the the regulations and the laws that prohibit discrimination on the basis of sex do not cover uh, people being discriminated for being gay or transgender. They just fucking think that's, that's fine. And that's the way they read the law. That's the way the Supreme court will read the laws. Um, it's, shows up, like you've said, in in these, um, you know, efforts to have a transgender ban uh, or a ban on um, transgender service in the military, which again, like d- was done without even consulting the military just by a tweet, like so carelessly. Um, and justice departments uh, move to end protections for transgender people in federal prisons rollback of protections by the Department of Health and Human Services. And um, like you said, the bathroom bathroom choice, which is just stupid. <laughs> um, and the, um, yeah, the homeless shelter denying access um, 
to single sex, denying transgender people to single sex shelters. Um, and you know, Department of Education um, publicly moving to block transgender girls from joining female track teams in Connecticut high schools. Like, it does seem like, um, I forget where I read this, but the, there is an effort from the Trump administration to sort of specifically hone in on, on, on transgender um, even more than the rest of the community and kind of drive a wedge so that it's sort of like, well, let's just go after the absolute most vulnerable um, and what would be quote unquote, like the easiest, I think. I, th- I think there is this, this understanding that that's like, let's target them first. Um, although like if Trump has a second term and with the Supreme Court, like we're all going down, um, just a matter of like who and when and at what time. But um, so there's that sort of like wedge that they're driving, um, but there's the legislation and then there's sort of the more symbolic stuff, like not allowing embassies internationally to fly the um, the flag. Um, um, and for, you know, obviously having tr- Mike Pence as, as vice president place is like a very specific um and like you know as they're systematically dismantling these um protections they're also just not you know trump is not tweeting um anything during pride month anything even like a perfunctory thing about supporting the community um he seems to hinge his support of the um queer community like on in a, like trying to end HIV transmissions in the country by 2030 which he brought up in his state of the union last year um but again that's not something that's like been a priority in any way and um there's just there's been no real evidence that any of his like uh sort of foreign, his like international efforts um, to have other countries like decriminalize homosexuality has had like any impact. Um, and um, he has never really spoken publicly about like um, anti-gay purges in Russia or like, you know, Eastern Europe where there's like, they're kind of experiencing a huge backslide um, in terms of protections. So there's just kind of silence from the, what it feels like is like there's, there's silence at best. Um, and, um, but what about the secret weapon, Tiffany Trump? Did you watch that video? I watched it. They had her go out speaking, <laughs> speak. She, she was, it looked like an SNL sketch. It was, Oh, so uncomfortable. She was just supposed to be speaking out about like LGBTQ. She left out the T, which might have been intentional considering how awful the administration's been regarding uh, rights for transgender people. But um, yeah, it was a garbage, trash, fire. It was just, I can't, it was awful. And then she also, she said like, you know, before getting into politics, my dad supported like, this isn't exactly her phrasing, but it was before when I got into politics, my dad supported, you know, gay people and stuff, which implies he doesn't now. I mean, he doesn't clearly, but yeah. it was a, it was something else. It was something else. And um, yeah, so that's how much he cares. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's awful. It's awful. Yeah. 
Oh, and they removed, like, they removed the entire section of, like, LGBTQIA stuff. Like, I think the day that Trump took office in 2017. It was quick. Took it down. It was real quick. Yeah. Um, It's all part of this just... Uh, when I think about this sort of category of failings from the Trump administration, it just feels like it's abject cruelty. Like there's no, um, there's no arguable, no debatable issues in terms of like conservatives versus liberals. It's just like you're picking on the most vulnerable people in society and rather than just even just leaving what Obama did, you're just, you're choosing to make healthcare and the prison system and like the uh, international arena worse for Mm -hmm. people. Um, You're being a bully. You're the bully of the government already, but you are, this is a definition of like just nauseating, punching down, like not even legislation because it's not like the Republicans like have their shit together to legislate anything. It's just, which means, you know what? It'll be, uh, I'm so angry. I'm like kicking boxes over here. It's, it'll be uh, optimistically. This is one of the easier things, quote unquote. (laughs) I say that now. Oh my God. That's probably not going to be, but this seems like one of the easier things. Like it's when, when Biden gets into office to just be like, okay, we're doing transgender like protection act and that is going to be all these things and we're going to push it through the legislature on day one you know and that's that hopefully we'll have i mean hopefully we'll have you know democrat led senate and house and we can just go balls to the walls Be better <laughs> um and let's see before getting into sort of reproductive rights and all that jazz. I just want to speak quickly to immigrants, immigration. Um, Speaking of cruelty. Yeah, speaking of cruelty. um, So, of course, Biden wants to fully eliminate the practice of separating immigrant families at the border, ending the bans on people from certain Muslim-majority countries, stop construction of Trump's stupid-ass fucking border wall, um, wants to make DACA permanent on day one, which is huge, um, expand resources to immigrants already residing in the U.S., and providing a roadmap to citizenship for people living in the United States to who are currently considered quote unquote illegal, you know, no person is illegal, um, but to provide a roadmap to citizenship for people so that they can um, legally become citizens. And of course, Trump's agenda would just kind of build on what he's done so far, trying to continue that stupid fucking border wall, um, you know, trying to do away with sanctuary cities. Um, and it's, and he's talked about, you know, removing non-citizen gang members from the country, but there's no really, like, plan about it. No. Then, <laughs> um, of course, we know that Trump's tightened regulations on legal immigration and international work travel to the U.S., limited visa distribution, um, and taken steps to limit people successfully obtaining asylum, of course, um, and has said awful racist things about um people coming from Mexico. Um, So both rhetorically and in action, Trump has been 
awful on immigration. Um, whereas Biden has a, a humane plan to allow people who want to come to this country or who are fleeing their country to do so, um, as is the theoretical American ideal. Right. It was theoretically like the law. <laughs> Like, it was, you know, at at some point, you know, the asylum, there was like a a strong sense of you could seek asylum here. And it's like written on the fucking Statue of Liberty. And, you know, something on Twitter as of this evening was that um, from NBC, lawyers are saying that they can't find the parents of 545 migrant children separated by the Trump administration. Just a reminder that the the cruelty that has been wrought has, has, as we know, I mean, it has real consequences in every arena, but um, some of the most dark lasting um, trauma has been on these kids and these families and 545 children without parents because we can't find them. It's, it's a feeling. Yeah. And it's like, of course, these ice facilities, there have been, um, children and teens and adults sexually abused, verbally abused, emotionally abused, physically abused. There were women who, you know, had, um, you know, reproductive organs removed without <laughs> real cause or consent. Like just all sorts of atrocities are happening. And we just, it's just, it's hard because there's so many huge fires in our country right now. Um, this is definitely one of them. There's also the literal fires, but (laughs) we've talked about those. Um, and then I just wanted to speak quickly to the fact that we have over 574 federally recognized Native American tribes in the U.S. and Biden-Harris have, um, have plans for that, um, including... Well, there's some healthcare stuff, which you won't get to this week. We'll be talking about healthcare next week, but restoring tribal lands, safeguarding natural cultural resources, which this administration has been awful about. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, any natural resource, don't give a fuck. Let's go logging. Doesn't care who lives there. Um, tackling the crisis of violence against um, Native women, children, and the elderly. Um, expanding economic opportunity, community development in Native communities, investing in education and youth engagement, um, meet obligations to and commemorate Native veterans, this is from the website, and ensuring that Native Americans can exercise their right to vote, um, which is a big one. And again, there's more, there are more details of this um, and his plan on this on the, on his uh, website, but I just wanted to at least speak to it for for a moment um Mm -hmm. because i feel like so often um the indigenous indigenous people in this country native americans are just kind of ignored um Mm -hmm. so it's i think it's important and speaks to the um comprehensive nature of their plans regarding humanity and people's rights that they do have all of these plans kind of laid out and you know, taking the time to do that. And I'm hoping that once they're in office, shit's going to get done. Yeah. (laughs) I hope so. I hope so. (laughs) I feel like I'm almost not used to reading such detailed stuff from an official Mm -hmm. platform. (laughs) Right. Yeah. The last time I had this feeling was reading Elizabeth Warren's. <laughs> yes. Uh, which, by the way, she probably wrote half of this stuff. So yeah, I'm glad she did. <laughs> I know. He probably had Warren and Buttigieg, like, just penning all of their website content. So. Oh, give it to me. All right. Should we 
segue to reproductive rights. Let's do it. Alrighty. Um, la la la. Well, I do just again like mm, with with all the conservative court appointments on the federal and court of appeals. Like we have. You know, the Trump administration's been deprioritizing women's health and is a huge fan of just um, people letting their personal religious beliefs dictate how they interpret the law. Um, Major rollbacks that the Trump administration has inflicted to women's rights. Um, They've cut international funding for uh, women's rights and reproductive health um, through the United Nations Population Fund, which provides family planning and reproductive services to more than 150 countries globally. And that was a that was a throwback because when I was reading, it's like, oh yeah, he did that within the first 100 days that he was in office. He just went straight for it. Um, you know, there has been uh, no evidence that the um, the United Nations population fund um, supported coercive abortion or involuntary sterilization, which was the excuse for defunding it that the uh, Trump administration gave. Um, The fund also never promoted abortion in its family planning services or provided abortion services. So they, the goal of the um, UN population fund um, was to work to expand access to contraception to women around the world and to work to combat maternal mortality, um, female genital mutilation, and HIV AIDS. And so this was like, this was just right out of the gate, the Trump administration saying, fuck you to those goals. Like we, (laughs) um, yeah. And so that was, so on the international stage, like from just right out of the gate, we were pulling funding for women's reproductive health um, for stupid reasons. Um, And they've blocked laws that promote equal pay in the workplace. Um, They, uh, again, we we talked about this earlier, but um, the repealing of an executive order of Obama's um, to get large companies to report wages so that would have been great, but uh, yeah, they were. The Trump administration has has um, just wanted to get rid of all of that all of that data. Um, they, you know, he hasn't appointed any women really um, in a meaningful way to his administration. I mean, if we're counting like Ivanka, um, he had Omarosa for a while. Um, you know, it's just. Uh, Three women have held cabinet positions in his administration of the 23 spots that he's had. Lowest number of female appointments in the White House since George H.W. Bush's presidency. Um, and he, Trump, the Trump administration disbanded the White House Council on Women and Girls in 2017. Um, that was something created by Obama to ensure the agencies um, that, to ensure that women and girls are thought of when policies are drafted by all the other ag- government agencies. Well, that. <laughs> um, and, but this, you know, whatever it's, it's always painful. The women that were, that are in Trump's administration when they do speak to these types of things, because it just feels like you're being like mm-hmm. dabbed by a traitorous, uh, like Serena type. What are the, what are the Serena's of, um, not the ants, the um, uh, 
shoots i'm forgetting it's been a minute those blue beaches. Um, but apparently Hope Hicks had said at that time, um, you know, we're looking at how different agencies could be made additive, not redundant. Um, and it's worth noting that nothing related to gender inequality has been replaced. Like just after the agency was disbanded, it was fully gone. Um, this was, uh, this kind of relates to everything we've been talking about, but the, the Trump administration have censored important words and terminologies from government agencies. Um, so they've modified verbiage relating to women's health and asked the CDC to omit, they, they, they forbid words, which included fetus, evidence-based, transgender, and diversity from the, from the CDC agency budget, which fucking censorship scares the shit out of me. Um, I really think like we should be able to argue with using all words in the vocabulary of the evidence based (laughs) scientific my like it's if you're scared, I mean this, and this is, I think a lot of the stuff that, that the Trump administration did in the first 100 days were so representative, but the, the, the hatred of, of women that, that came forward. Um, and then lastly, just like, uh, Oh, yeah. And the U.S. Department of State stripped annual human rights reports from featuring any mention of reproductive or sexual rights. And then other government agencies followed suit by removing any mentions on their pages, like the Department of Health and Human Services, um, deleting lesbian and bisexual women's resources from its um, health website. Um, and then the HHS also removed mentions of contraception, abortion, and sex education from its documents. And then last bucket of bullshit that I have, at least for my <laughs> for this section, is um, dismantling reproductive health services for women. Um, uh, not only, but through the nominations of Kavanaugh, Gorsuch, and ACB, um, but through just constant wars against Planned Parenthood and any um, organizations that are pro-choice. Um, again, we've said this probably a billion times, and so have the people at Planned Parenthood, but the funding goes towards um, lots of other ser- services aside from abortions, which is a very small segment and um, of the services that they provide. And those seg- that portion has never received federal funding like ever, even under the Obama administration and also making huge changes to the Title X family planning program, which uh, ensures that basically uh, federal funds will no longer ever go towards um, family planning providers that offer abortion services. And it also prohibits clinic Title X clinics from referring pregnant women to alternative locations for abortion services. And the clinics are also not legally required to provide counseling that includes information about prenatal care, delivery, adoption, or abortion, which if you think you are the party that is pro quote unquote life, but you're withholding information to pregnant women about prenatal care, delivery, adoption, and uh, like just the health of a pregnant woman you're withholding all of these services. Um, again, you can like fuck right off with that hypocritical bullshit. 
you can, that'd be great. Um, <laughs> I just, I always have to note this when it ha- uh, Trump's, he, he's regularly kind of spoken out against late term abortions, mischaracterized them like a lot of people on the right do. Um, I won't get into it too much, but late term abortions are not like you're eight and a half months pregnant. You're like, oh shoot. <laughs> I don't want to do this. No, it's when either there's a situation where the pregnancy isn't viable. For instance, if it's discovered throughout the pregnancy that a brain is is not going to develop, um, or if it's discovered that you have a critical life-threatening emergency and you will die if you continue to carry this child, you know, um, there's a heartbreaking story about a woman who um, had received a cancer diagnosis while she was pregnant and she either had to terminate and um, receive chemotherapy or carry the baby and survive and, and die herself. And she ended up carrying the child. Um, but that shouldn't, like you shouldn't have to choose your life or, or this potential future life. And um so yeah, these late-term abortions are in the case of a something that would never be a child who could live or, or you know, the mother is going to die. Like these are, just look into some of these stories before you make these judgments about late-term abortions. Um, mm-hmm. And I also just, I feel like it's always worth mentioning that um, in terms of the other abortions that happened before that point, um, it's not up to us to make judgment calls about when it makes sense, when it's okay, when it's not, whether the, the reason is good enough. Like it's the human who is pregnant, it is their decision, it is their choice. You're welcome to be personally pro-life, but cannot in, infringe upon, you know, women's autonomy in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's, it's not uh, right um, to do so. And also again, if, if you're interested in, if you're really passionate about reducing the number of abortions, get involved in your community and ensure that people have access to real comprehensive sex education, have access to contraceptives, and those will go ahead and reduce abortion rates. As you can see, if you look at abortion rates under Democrat versus Republican presidents, they go way down um, yep. under Democrats because of this these kind of preventative things so that people yep. less often get into a situation where they're considering abortion. But either way, it, it needs to be legal and up to people who are pregnant to decide. And, um, you know, Biden has evolved on it over the years now. He's fully pro-choice. Like I think you mentioned, down to refund Planned Parenthood, um, doesn't support the Hyde Amendment anymore. Um, so it's just, it's, again, if you're, if you're pro-life, like Trump is not the person to vote for. Um, mm-hmm. These kind of punitive things don't stop abortions from happening. They just put more lives in danger. Um, it's not great. And then I don't know if you've heard that Biden uh, wrote the Violence Against Women Act. I don't know if he's ever mentioned it, but <laughs> <laughs> he did, and it was yeah. it was significant. And and he won. I'm bringing it up now just because he. <laughs> has vowed to, uh, it actually expired in 2019, um, and he wants to re-implement and expand upon it, um, including things like online harassment, um, expand federal housing program for abuse victims and their children. Um, Trump policy-wise has not done shit regarding domestic violence. He did say October was National Domestic Violence Awareness Month, Mm -hmm. but policy-wise, not a damn 
thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. No. Yeah. No. No. Anything on the uh, the women? Anything else on the woman front? Women. Yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's hard because there's so so much, but yeah, there's so much, but like, we are just at a moment where um, a lot of people's rights are going to be like rolled back through the Supreme Court, the way that it's about to be made up. I think that's another reason why I'm definitely just like snippy all the time recently is just feeling like the resentment of, of that. Uh, But because of, I think the first thing to go are going to be women's reproductive healthcare. Um, The right to an abortion is going to be gone. And then right after that probably is going to be some sort of, repeal of marriage equality i do think so i think like and then obviously the, the court has already been rolling back with um voter protections um just allowing like complete chaos at the state and local level so that's going to continue um and the gerrymandering and the census to proceed the way that the trump administration has sort of fucked it in the middle of a pandemic so <laughs> Long answer, no, there's not more. I mean, it's just, I think kind of closing the way that we opened. This is, we just, we have so much work ahead. If you care about the women in your life, if you care about the people in your life, um, we're about to, it's about to be a rough, it's about to be rough. Um, I don't, I don't want to be like Kate Winslet at the end of Revolutionary Road, but like, damn. Oh, God, yeah. God, that movie. <sighs> movie. Chilling. Yeah. No, it's, the stakes are real. Um, they're incredibly high. It's, you know, our, our rights are on the table, are being pretty much anyone that's not a relatively well-off, straight, white, cisgender man, um, pretty much much on the table there. Um, And then the only, the last little kind of bucket I wanted to mention briefly um, is people with disabilities. And I mean, we remember Trump's mockery. Mm, Uh, Yes. And uh, well, there's some, some healthcare related things for next week, but I just, I did want to note that Biden Harris had a comprehensive plan for people with disabilities to ensure they have access to education, support that they need, um, housing, transportation. Um, you know, there are a lot of, I've learned, I've, I've known this and believed this, but like I've experienced this firsthand with, you know, my dad and his sort of limited mobility, sometimes wheelchair, sometimes walker. It's just, even in progressive places, things aren't always set up. And of course there are all kinds of disabilities there, you know, are, it's not just disability doesn't mean a person in a wheelchair, you know, but that is certainly one of them. And um, I think it's, you know, important to make the world accessible, as accessible as you can for everyone, you know, and that's a big, a big piece of it. So I just want to throw that out there. Yeah, I'm glad you did. It's, it's true. And of course, something that Trump hasn't Mm -hmm. given one single fuck about. 
No fucks. Just makes a mockery of people. Um, really classy. But yes, I mean, we encourage you to, you know, do your own research on this. We hit the points we found to be compelling or, you know, there's so, there's, like we said, there's so much there's and so it's much. worth really, worth really getting into and, um, and really seeing how, you know, there's one side that has a clear evidence-based plan for this country that, you know, hits all the, all the important things in my opinion. And then we have Trump, you know, like <laughs> Colin Fauci, an idiot, to, you know, yesterday, all these, all these things. I, it really is just between like humanity and science and whatever the fuck Trump is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so important. So, so, so important. Um, and what has he done? Like, I mean, to use the kind of classic, like, are you better off four years ago? You know, no, because oh. we agree. <laughs> yeah. like, so objectively, no. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, um, it's pretty simple. I mean, I, I, the fact that there's anyone who's undecided is, is, is really hard to understand, but yeah, everyone do your own research just check out the the Biden-Harris platform because unlike Trump's website, which is like, <laughs> whatever, um, they have they have all of, it's, it's comprehensive is the right word. Yeah, it's like they have goals and then also like the things that they will implement to reach those goals, you know, and, and pages and pages and pages for all of these issues and more. Um, so definitely worth checking out um, and seeing what's going on. And next week we're going to talk about... Um, the, the case for Biden Harris through the lens of healthcare and public Ooh. health and COVID. Ooh. Yeah. But we've got a little good thing. Uh, the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> the ocean isn't the good thing. <laughs> ocean uh, pulling it up. Um, burp, 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 burp. We stand, uh, you know, saving the environment. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about last week. <laughs> I know. It's so uh, yeah, um, there is uh, a company that's been working to clean up the plastic in the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, um, and uh, about uh, let's see, let me see what I say. What do I want to say? Um, the Ocean Cleanup is a company that is um, trying to help. Um, the, I'm like trying to read this and take it all at the same time. Um, mm, 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 mm. Well, because cra- the statistic is that 90% of the millions of tons of plastic in the Great Pacific Garbage Patch come from just 10 rivers. And um, the Ocean Cleanup Project, which was invented by this Dutch guy, forget his name, um, is trying to basically just help clean up, clean up this gigantic garbage patch, um, and um, trying to also intercept uh, the plastic by cleaning the ten rivers that generate the most trash. Um, and so he has designed these floating trash collectors named quote he's named them interceptors and they're solar powered and use the reverse currents to guide trash onto conveyor belts and into waste bins on board 
Um, and so, yeah, according to this inventor, this Dutch inventor, he says, um, so if we focus on the worst rivers, we believe we can really have the fastest, most cost-effective way to close the tap and prevent more plastic from reaching the oceans in the first place. So it's cool. It's a cool project and it's just nice to see it in practice. And it's also kind of horrific when you see how much trash is just like fucking floating in these rivers, but Hey, 10 rivers, you know, yeah. <laughs> if you like, if you're, I mean, if 90% of the trash in the Pacific garbage patch is coming from just 10 rivers, it's that, that suddenly does make it feel a little more manageable. Like, okay, let's focus on those 10 rivers. Yeah. Good for, good for him. I love it. I love to see it. Love it. <laughs> love to see, yeah. Any sort of innovative or any sort of thing around kind of addressing the environmental shit show that we're dealing with right now is I'm like, okay, good. Someone's doing, all right, what's happening? There's some things happening. Well, well, happening. Yeah. <laughs> Trump's doing whatever. Yeah. So yeah, I guess we'll, uh, we'll leave it there. Uh, yeah. Tune in uh, next week and we can uh, dive into COVID. Uh, and that will be our last episode before mm-hmm. election day. Uh, we haven't even talked about this. I wonder what we're... Election, you know, election day, which is a Tuesday. <laughs> Tuesday. Oh my god. Yeah, we'll have to figure out what we're gonna do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We'll have we'll have plan A and plan B. Yeah. I don't know if we can inflict like a yeah. A celebration or an hour <laughs> of guttural screams. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see what wins out. Um, <laughs> if we even know on election day who wins. Anywho, uh, everyone vote. Tell everyone you love and like and are fine with and hate. Tell everyone to vote and uh, chat with the awkward people because I feel like that's the way to make a difference, you know? Yeah. Good luck out there, y'all. See you next week.